Hello, hello. Man, it's it's good to be it's good to be back up here. It's been a minute since I've been here, so it's, it's been it's been nice. Well, uh, I'm gonna we're in our series talking about the upside down kingdom, going through the Beatitudes, and I get to talk about. I was kind of hoping I get to talk about this one, and I was fortunate enough when we were picking them to be able to get it, and so I'm I'm ecstatic. I think tonight's gonna be fun. Haley is gonna come up and read for me. But could you just take a seat right there? The reason I had Haley come up, but I didn't, um, she's not standing here because it would be really awkward if she was standing here, so just to make her feel a little bit better. Haley, I try to say a little bit about what I think about the people who uh, read for me, and Haley, Haley is a, well, I've known Haley for two years. She's a junior. She's been a small group leader. This is her second year as a small group leader. And I was talking with Sean over the summer, and we were talking about Isaac in the Bible. And Haley reminds me of Isaac. Now, Isaac is really funny because a lot of people look over Isaac. He's sandwiched in between two giants in Scripture, Abraham and Jacob. Jacob is his son. Ab- the, these are both guys who had just big victories and, and in some ways some pretty low lows, especially Jacob. And people love to talk about Jacob because he is uh, someone where you could say he has like a, a, a cool testimony. Like someone, you, you know what I mean when I say a cool testimony. Sometimes we like make people feel, in Christianity, we make people feel like less of a person or less important because their testimony isn't like as cool as someone else. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, like a cool, like a cool testimony would be like someone who's like, uh, I don't know, they're like, Oh, yeah, you know, when I got saved, I had four syringes sticking out of my arm. I was living in a brothel. I had just stabbed someone. And, you know, I had just beaten up 24 kittens. You know, like, like, like that, would, that would qualify as a cool testimony. But Isaac is frequently looked over because he doesn't, he doesn't need to make a ton of mistakes in order to follow the God that his father followed. And to seek God for himself, he was willing to just trust who his father knew God to be and to pursue him on his own. And when I think of Haley, what I know about her life before she came here and since she's been here, some people learn through humility and some people learn through reality. I have always been someone, thankfully it's changed a bit recently, but for most of my life I was someone who learned through reality. And learning through reality is very costly. And sometimes you don't make it out in the end. But I've, know, I've always known Haley to be, I've come to realize that she's someone who learns through humility. And Jesus said, he said to Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed is the one who has not seen and still believes. And I just think it's so cool how Haley is someone who tries to learn through humility and doesn't have to go and make a lot of mistakes and figure out things her own way, just as Isaac did. He didn't need to make his own path. He was willing to trust who his father said was God, and he pursued him for himself and found out how real and how awesome he was. So anyone who has a testimony where you don't feel like, oh, I didn't go out and do this and this and this, you shouldn't worry about that because... I have immense respect for people who have testimonies like that because it really is special. It's really special. So 
It'd be kind of awkward if I had Haley come up immediately. So I'm going to pray. She'll read. And then we'll jump right in. Help us, Lord God, to be people who learn through humility and not through reality. Reality is a hard teacher. Lord, help us to be like Isaac was. Someone who, though he was not perfect, did not need to find his own way in order to follow you, did not need to make mistakes before he was willing to listen to you. I also pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts tonight, reprogram our hearts when it comes to what we think about what we deserve, and help us, Lord God, as we realize just what we deserve and how gracious you've been. Help us to be people who give back to people what they don't deserve. We love you, Lord. Open up our minds. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, I'm going to read Matthew 5, 7. Um, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And I'm also reading Matthew 18, 23 through 35. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered, ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Thank you, Haley. Okay, have you all ever found yourselves in a situation where you're looking at something and you're like, man, this is not fair. This is not fair. No way. This is not fair. I've been there. I think about my brother growing up, our birthdays. Oh, my gosh. My birthday, I would get, you know, we had different birthdays. His birthday's in October, my birthday is in December. And so what my parents did was they kind of combined my birthday with Christmas. And they gave me a birthmas. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. December, no, the best. Anyways. So the people who have December or January birthdays, you know what I'm talking about with this birthmas celebration. You like... You would show up, and you'd be like, all right, what do I get? You know, and it's like, all right, here's $20 and some gummy bears. And I'd be like, all right, where's the rest of my gift? You know, and then they'd be like, well, you know, you look, look, your birthday is near Jesus' birthday. That's a gift enough. And it was just like, man, no one is spiritual enough to appreciate that. No way. No way. My brother would get so much stuff for his birthday just because of the difference of dates. 
he would get so much stuff. He'd get like a car and video games and a house and yeah, kids and a wife. Like he got everything. Like it just it was so unfair. And I just found myself in front of my parents being like, "Man, this is not fair. Y'all, are, this is this is the, this is an injustice." I guess exactly. Damani knows this is like I'm speaking his language right now. I I also I'm not this is this. I'm not exaggerating with either one of these, especially not this one. It'll seem like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. I had, I had a professor. He was not a good professor, and his class was notoriously hard. It was an ecology class. That is, it's a, it's a biology-type class, you know, and all that stuff. Man, I used to study with this girl, and she, okay, this man was so unfair if you were an attractive female, he always gave you better grades. Everybody knew it, and no one could defeat him. And she was attractive. And so she would just get these good grades, and we would study together. We would have the exact same, it was like, it was the exact same answers. I remember one time, I caught him. I had, she got a 92, I got a 74, and I was like, look, man, I got these two tests right here. Look at question number two. We got the same number of words. I capitalized here. She capitalized there. I, I, we got the same number. Like, it's, everything is the same. And he was like, yeah, but you didn't put a comma right there. I'm like, man, this isn't even English. It's ecology. I was so mad. And even she, even she, the whole year, she was like, Jordan, this is not fair. This man is so unfair. She was on the receiving end of his inequality, and she still said he was unfair. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We're y'all in some situations, and something is not fair, and you are so frustrated. As you can tell, your boy loves justice, so this is going to be a fun little time we're going to have. It stinks when you are in a situation and someone, you do not get what you seemingly deserve. And so tonight, we're gonna talk about this. We're going through the upside down kingdom and we're talking about what we deserve and, well, we've been talking about all these different beatitudes and tonight, we're talking about mercy. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. I'm very excited about this beatitude, but it is so opposite. The series is the Upside Down Kingdom, and this beatitude is one of the clearest examples of how upside down this is from the way that the rest of the world thinks. The rest of the world is, they're like, look, people need to get what they deserve. But Jesus Jesus is calling us to see things differently and to treat people differently because of that. This is a totally upside-down way of thinking. What do I deserve? What is unfair? I know I feel like certain things are injustices, but is this legitimately an injustice? Justice is a word that we're going to talk a lot about. It's not in the Beatitude, but it is in the parable. Justice, or being just, is giving someone what they deserve. That's that's. That's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's, hey, I'm going to give you a fair shake. I'm going to give you exactly what you deserve. If you get every question on the test right, you get a 100, and that is just. That's not, that's not favoritism. That's not the professor looking out for you. That's just what you earned. It's you getting what you earned. Mercy. Some people say that mercy is just not giving someone what they deserve. But Jesus, 
Jesus uses this word eleo. That is the word mercy in the New Testament. And that word means more than not just giving someone what they deserve. It actually means to not just not give someone what they deserve, but to also give them more than what they deserve. We have the leader of the Chi Alpha at Fairmont with his family, his wife and his daughter, and they are here. And he has someone in his Chi Alpha. This, this happened. This person had a car that was not, it wasn't the nicest, to say nicely. And he hit another woman's car who was driving a Cadillac Escalade. That's not a good situation to be in. He hit her so hard that he totaled his car. Expecting her to get out and be furious, she actually felt bad for him, felt so bad that she made, what he deserved was for her to go off on him and for her to make his insurance pay for everything. She, made, she took care of paying it herself, didn't go through his insurance, and felt so bad for him that she gave him money to go and fix his car situation. He was able to get a new car with the money and have extra money left over. That is mercy. That is not just not giving someone what they deserve. That's Elaeo, going above and beyond what they deserve and looking out for their well-being beyond not just giving them what they don't deserve. So we got this king in this story, and this dude seems like a pretty fair guy. In fact, he seems a little more than fair. He seems pretty awesome. This guy comes to him, and he owes him an insurmountable amount of money. He owes him so much money, it would equate today of over $10 million. He owes this, this guy owes a lot to the king. Was the king fair to this man? Some heads are nodding. Some heads are shaking no. He wasn't. He wasn't fair to this man. He didn't give this man what he deserved. He gave him above and beyond what he deserved. He was exceedingly merciful with him. Exceedingly merciful with him. What did this man deserve? Deserve is the key word tonight, if you haven't noticed. I'm going to keep saying it over and over. What did this man deserve? He accrued this debt on his own. He owed the king a lot of money, and the king let that go. He forgave it. He didn't even answer the man's question. The man said, give me more time. He said, no, nah, you know what? Cancel the whole debt. He didn't, even, he didn't even answer his prayer, basically. He went above and beyond what the man even asked for. This is, this is so cool. Before I say anything else about what this man deserved, we have to understand one key thing about this word deserve. If you have an unrealistic view of who you are, mercy won't make any sense to you. And you might as well, you might as well just check out now. Bef in order for us to go forward, you have to be honest about who you are and what you deserve. I used to teach history. Some of y'all know this. I taught history for one year. I was a teacher for one year. Katie was still in school, so I had to get a job. And I taught history. I loved it, high school history. I had a guy who I taught. I loved him. 
he was he was awesome. He played on the basketball team. He was the tallest guy in school. He was pretty good at basketball, but he had a terrible attitude. And he was always clashing with the coach. And he came into my class one day, and he would always say stuff like, man, Mr. Goody, I want to quit the team. And we're like, well, we'll see, you know. And then one day he comes in. I have him in first period, and he's like, look, Mr. Goody, today is the day. I'm quitting the team. And I'm like, dude, you don't want to do that show. He's like, no, Coach Allen has it out for me, this and this and this. And I'm like, dude, okay, let's talk after class. After class, we had – it was like because it was homeroom, it was a few extra minutes that we had after class. So it was, I was able to talk with him for a few minutes without him not messing with the schedule. So we're talking, and I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, look, Coach Allen has it out for me. He's always riding me. He's always tough on me. He's doing this, and he's doing this, and, man, I'm done. Look, he needs me. I'm the best player on this team. And I said, all right, man, if you're going to be like this, I'm going to tell you what's really going on. I've been nice. I haven't said anything. I'm not – I'm I'm seeing both sides here, and I know what's really going on. Your teammates don't like you. Some of them want you off the team. They've gone to Coach Allen to ask him to kick you off the team. He was like, for real? And I was like, yeah. And some parents don't like you. Because your attitude is so bad, they want you kicked off the team too. He was like, for real? And I was like, yes. And Coach Allen is the only reason you're still on the team. This man is riding you. He's the only person who believes in you. He is the only person in your corner. He is the only, he, he's the only advocate you have. He's like, for real? And I'm like, yes. He's like, oh. And what do you think I should do? Go and apologize to Coach Allen. Apologize to your team. Say, I've been a turd. And look, <laughs> let's, let's try to do this again. I'm going to try to do what's best for the team, and we're going to move forward. And he was like, uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm going to do that. He leaves. I see him right before school is over, seventh period. And I'm like, all right, man, how'd it go? How was the talk with Coach Allen? <laughs> I kid you not. This is what he said. He was like, oh, man, I ain't talking to Coach Allen. I was like, what? What about all the stuff we talked about? He's like, man, forget all that. Coach Allen doesn't like me. He hates me. He has it out for me. I said, oh, you crazy. No, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. But he was not living in reality. He had such an un, a ridiculous view of himself that he couldn't even understand how immense the grace that he was shown was. He missed it. We got to be honest with who we are and what we deserve in order to correctly understand this beatitude and this parable. I mean, I was, was going to say this later, but I think it, I think it better to say now, like when I think about myself and what I deserve, I know in my Bible, Nate, what you said was really good. I don't know where you are anymore. You're probably some back, back there somewhere, but what Nate had to say at the beginning was so good, talking about Romans. In Romans 3, it says it says that, well, actually, I'm thinking about Romans 8. But in Romans 3, it says, for all have sinned and all have fallen, all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And it says in Romans 8 that the wages of sin, for the wages of sin is death. That means what the reward for sin is death. That means death and destruction should mark every one of my relationships, all of my efforts, all of my ambitions, all that I enjoy. Death and destruction is what I rightfully deserve. 
But it also says in Romans 8 that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were enemies to God, Jesus gave his life for us. Is that what we deserve? Is that, is that, is that a fair shake? This is such an interesting way to look at things because Jesus, and he doesn't just say it here, he's like always pushing us to this, to have a totally radical view of the way that I look at the world. I'm reading this book, The Insanity of God. It's about a missionary who went to Somalia around 1990, around the time that uh, Black Hawk Down. Anybody saw that movie? Sweet movie. Very sweet movie. If you want to go see it, it's worth your time. Black Hawk Down, it's in Somalia. And this missionary is talking about how this place is the closest to hell that he's ever seen in his life. When he gets there, over 90% of the country is malnourished. Barely anyone has a working restroom. Whole cities don't have police stations and hospitals. Not a few cities, most cities. The civil war there, let they, they, there was a civil war and they put landmines in the ground and people call it a good day if they don't walk over a landmine and it blows up and kills them because they're everywhere. People are afraid just to walk around. No running water for over 90% of the country. No electricity for over 90% of the country. By a show of hands, who decided before you were born, I'm going to live in America? You know, I'm looking at the job situation there. I'm looking at the schools. I'm looking at the government. Not right now, but maybe back then, you know, like in 20 years ago when I was born. You know, I'm looking at the presidents. Okay, I can, I can work with this kind of government. You know, like you like the situation going on in America, and you decided, I'm going to live here by show of hands. All right, me and Damani <laughs> obviously did not decide that. No one did. No one decided that you were going to live here. Is that fair for them to endure that? Is that fair for us to be here and have... I don't eat for six hours, and I'm like, oh, man, whoo, I'm starving. You know, I read about these people who go their whole lives never eating a meal where they feel full. I can't even wrap my mind around that. And I think about you know, here in America, you know, we go and, you know, we think about, like, I think about sexuality. We go and we play with our sexuality. Ah, you know, I'm going to go and discover myself. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and do that, you know. My dad, I used to work, I, used, I got to work with him a couple summers. He started an AIDS foundation. It was mind-blowing to meet people. I remember meeting this woman. She lost her virginity, and she's only been with one man her entire life, and she got AIDS. One time. How many people play with their sexuality and you've been shown so much mercy. I have, I, I know people who, they play with their sexuality, they had a kid, round one. They, they got something that they couldn't shake, round one. Did they deserve that? Was that fair? Is that a fair shake? What is fair? 
What do I deserve? This is a totally different way of looking at things because we don't deserve what we have. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. This is actually an unbelievably freeing. That's why I'm so excited about this beatitude. This is unbelievably freeing. When you catch this, it changes all of your life. When you see things not from this lens of this is what I deserve versus I know I don't deserve anything. So thank you. Thank you. I have a friend, he's a pastor, and I, a hospital called him one day, and they said, hey, could you come to the hospital? We got this man, and he really needs to talk to a minister. He's, he's crying out for a minister to come and talk to him. The chaplain's not nearby, so the, the hospital chaplain, so could, you, so could you come? And he's like, sure, I can come. He shows up, and he's, he's like, he asked him, hey, so why did you ask for a minister? He said, to tell me why I'm in the hospital. I'm why am I in the hospital? Why did God do this to me? And then my friend said, have you never been in the hospital before? And he said, no, I've lived a good life. I've been a good person. I've treated people well. I don't deserve this. And my friend said, how old are you? And said, I'm 94. 94. He's like, you've never been in a hospital to get before? No, I've already told you. I've lived a good life. Tell me, why am I in here? And my friend said, how long are you going to be in the hospital? Ten whole days. <laughs> Tell me, why did God do this to me when I've been a good person? I don't want what I deserve. If I got what I deserve, I would end up with much less than I have. If I got what I deserve, if I got a fair shake, this room would be empty. <laughs> In fact, if I got a fair shake, Matt Springer <laughs> would not have asked me to come back and start a Chi Alpha here. If I got a fair shake, I don't even think I would have gone to college. If I got a fair shake, I'd probably be dead. If you got a fair shake, <laughs> you know, if we, if you own a car, you are in the richest 2% of the world's population. If you go to an American university, you are, you are part of the richest 1% of the world's population. Is this fair? So not only do we need to change the way that we see things, but the other thing that Jesus is asking us to do He's asking us to look at things differently. Oh, I put it up there. I, didn't even, I don't even think I, I mentioned it. I've been talking all around it, and I didn't even say it. <laughs> the first step away from God is ungratefulness. And the first step towards God is gratefulness. If you are grateful, it changes everything between you and him. And it changes everything between you and the world. So going further in, Luke 6, 35, 36, Jesus says, But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, 
even as your father is merciful. And then, going back to our story, it says in verse 28, when the servant went out, after he had been given, when he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii, that's like 50 bucks, he seized him and began choking him, saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had ta- what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all this debt because you pleaded with me. And should you have not, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant? as I had mercy on you. This man was given what he didn't deserve. And he went and found someone who owed him a few dollars and gave that man everything that he deserved. The man did owe him money. And it wasn't illegal for him to put the man in prison but it was totally unreasonable in the economy of God because if you are going to be in this kingdom and see things the way that Jesus calls to see it in this kingdom, you can't look at the world like that. You can't look at the world and say, I am going to give everyone else what they deserve. You have to change how you are going to view giving people what they deserve. Bitterness and unforgiveness, their their fingerprints are all over this. All over this. Bitterness and unforgiveness, at the heart of them, is it is based on, I'm going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to pay you back what you deserve. You you wronged me, you hurt me, therefore I'm going to give you what you deserve. You don't deserve forgiveness. This is true. No one really deserves forgiveness. I have a confession. I have a disease. Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. It's real. Y'all need to pray for your boy. It's bad. It is really bad. I have a disease. It is called whoosh disease. It's a real problem in my life. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting a very special and, and tender, and I'm being transparent with y'all. The other day, I was talking with a small group leader, and this small group leader told me that there, a person in their small group, a person in their small group went on, they were in their dorm, and their roommate came into their dorm and peed on them. The person was wasted and peed, just peed all over him. I was furious. Mind you, I'm not in this story, but I was furious. If Some of y'all have heard my wife say this. I have a problem with injustice. 
Like, it is, it is a real problem. Your boy is obsessed with justice. If an injustice happens, I go off. And so, I'm hearing this story, and I go from zero to 100 in two seconds. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no! Whoosh disease hit me. Whoosh. Not whoosh. Whoosh. I wish you would. If I was in this situation, I would have gone and I would have done this. I, w- I wish he was. I didn't, even ca- I didn't even care about what happened to the guy. I didn't even care about how he, like, whether he was traumatized, whether he was hurt. No. I was like, this is ridiculous. I would have gone and do this. Oh, this man would have gotten this and this and this. I do this all the time. It is, it is really bad. That's why Katie was always going off of me over my injustice streak. It is a real problem because I'm always wanting to right the wrongs of the world and put people in their place. And I've been shown so much mercy. I really do struggle with this. I love mercy, but it is at the heart of like, I struggle with this so much because I'm always wanting to put somebody in their place and give them what they deserve. This person needs to be beat up. This person needs to deserve. This person needs this. This person, this strikes me in a very tender place, as you can tell. But Jesus says, he calls us to mercy. What I know about that story is I know that the small group, the guy in his small group, he, the guy ran out before he could catch him. And, you know, he, it was amazing. You know, he took his sheets, threw them on his roommate's bed, and, and then he went to bed. And then he talked to the guy the next day, and he forgave him. That's, that's not how I would have responded. <laughs> but... That man, the person who did that, responded the way he should have responded. He didn't give that dude what he deserved. Mercy and unforgiveness and forgiveness and bitterness, they're all wrapped up in the same web. The same web of giving people what they deserve. I remember... This is like, I think, I think, I think you were there, Katie. Katie was there. We did this thing back at Sam Houston. It's called Cat Cap. We're the bear cats, you know, eat them up cats. Super lame, I know, but we, we did it. It's, yeah. And so we were the bear cats, and so we had this thing that was called Cat Cap. We would go to, we had this deal with the, the bars in town. We would go and give rides to people who, you know, um, who were too inebriated to drive themselves home. And so drunken driving was an issue back where we were. And so this was to help and serve them. So we'd probably have 40, 50 people stand outside a bar and club, and we would give dozens of people's, people rides home a couple nights out of the week, the biggest party nights out of the week. <laughs> At Sam Houston, you really only partied one or two nights. Here, we only don't party one night out of the <laughs> week. But this one time, this guy comes out of this club, to go back in the story a little bit, when I, was in hi- when I was in college, there was a guy that I always looked up to. He was like, he was the coolest guy on campus, at least to me. He was, uh, he was pretty well known. He was, you know, a guy in a fraternity that was like just, he was just a big dog on campus. Like, everybody was like, man, this, <laughs> everybody was like, this dude is it. And I was like, I was totally caught up in it. I was like, man, this guy is so cool. And he ended up dating a girl that I liked. Well, 
they break up and I eventually start dating the girl and I'm like, oh sweet, I'm I'm with so and so. I never thought this would happen. She's you know she's this and that and then, and then I found out like early on in the relationship that this is she is damaged goods. This relationship is going nowhere. And that's sorry if it does if that sounds bad. I, it probably doesn't mean what you think it means. She was so ruined and wrecked in her mind that it immediately became like a therapy session and me fighting for her life. Like there was there was no room for attraction or anything. This girl's life was on the line. She hated herself and she hated this guy because this guy, they were together, you know, she got pregnant, he forced her to get an abortion, drove her to the clinic, refused to pay. You know, she had to take out a loan to pay. Then he broke up with her the very next week. And so I hadn't seen this guy for years. I had never seen him since she told me that. And this night, I'm on staff with Sam Houston Chi Alpha, and I'm working cat cab, and out comes this figure, and it's him. And I, I tell everyone, hey, I got this. And so everybody's standing behind me as I'm talking to this guy. He can't stand up. We talk for 45 minutes outside. He, can, he can't even stand up straight. He's so inebriated. He's going back and forth about, man, I'm this and I'm that, and everybody knows that I'm so-and-so, and y'all don't even know who, the, who I am. And he's going on and on about who he is. And I eventually tell him, like, dude, I know who you are. Just let me give you a ride home. I just want to look out. I just, I just want you to get home safely. And he's like, how do you know who I am? And I'm like, you dated so-and-so. She was my friend. And he was like, oh, you know so-and-so. Man, that girl is a blankety-blank and blank. What a whore. This and that. Yo, I told that girl this and this. And I know, and I'm hearing, and he's lying about so much stuff about who he was. And I know who he is. And I don't tell him, I don't tell him that I know. I just tell him, you know, inside, I just want to give him what he deserves. I just want to put him in his place. But that came out with, look, dude, you, you just need someone to get you home safely. You can't even stand up. Let me give you a ride home. That's, that's, that's what you need. Did he deserve that? No. But I look at this dude, and he is a joke. But then I look back at myself in the eyes of God, and I'm a joke. And I've been shown so much grace. How could I not give it back to this man? Of course I don't, I, I don't have the life that I deserve. How could I not give it back to him? What I've received. And so I fought to give him a ride that night. And I did not give him what he deserved. We can't give people what they deserve if we're going to be a part of this kingdom. We have to be reconcilers, and we have to devote our lives to not giving people what they deserve. The cool thing about that, though, is Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for you will be shown mercy. You will be shown. I think a better way to say this beatitude, and before you you know, pick up your stones and say, is this dude trying to correct the Bible? No, I'm just expanding it to help make it sense of it. 
you've been shown mercy. So blessed is the one who realizes how much mercy you've been shown and therefore shows mercy to others. For you will be given even more mercy because you have shown mercy. The thing to this beatitude is, if you're someone who realizes how much mercy you've been shown, then you will be someone who gives mercy back. But I don't think you can be someone who gives mercy if you don't realize just how much mercy you've been shown. But the cool thing about this beatitude is the more you give, the more you receive. A friend of mine preaching at a church, and a woman comes up to him, and she said, I want you to know that I've forgiven my brother. And she's so excited. He's like, I've never met you, and I don't know who your brother is. <laughs> and she's so excited. And he's like, and she's like, no, no, I've forgiven my brother. You see, when we were kids, he forced me to have sex with him. But I've forgiven him. My whole life I've been afraid of men, and I've hated men. And I've always wanted to, I've never wanted to be around men my entire life. And so I haven't been able to marry anyone. But I've forgiven him. And she was so happy. When you forgive, and when you give people what they don't deserve, you'll find a peace and a joy and an excitement. And you'll find that as mercy has been shown to you, more mercy will be shown towards you. But if you don't forgive, it'll act like a barrier in your life. And it'll, it'll stop It'll stop mercy being able to be poured into your life because just like my student that I mentioned who played basketball and he, he just didn't get it, he couldn't see how much mercy he had been shown and he couldn't even appreciate it. He was even being shown mercy and it didn't mean anything to him. We can't even understand mercy if we don't give it back out. But if we give it back out, we'll understand it and we'll receive more of it. Mercy is such a cool thing. Such a cool thing. The last thing I want to say, I have some other things. Well, the very last thing I'll say, and this won't take that long, a couple ways how we can have mercy. Y'all don't have that much money. I get it. Y'all are in college. I ain't having much money in college. But one thing that you do have that is an, an invaluable tool is your words. For real, I'm not trying to be like positive and optimistic here. Your words are maybe the most powerful tool you have in your whole life. I mean, I was reading something the other day. I was talking about how our words actually change our DNA and the DNA of the people around us. Words, words, words have weight. Words create, you know? Your words, not giving people what they deserve as you speak about them can go a very long way. Your words have so much power. Another thing, though, is prayer. And this is profound. Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 5, 43, 45, he said, You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
But I have noticed in my life that the more that I dislike someone and the more that I pray for, pray for them, the less I dislike them and the more that I like them. Now, whether they end up liking me, that doesn't always happen, but that doesn't matter. No enemy stays an enemy if you pray for him. If you pray for someone, pray for those people who've hurt you. Pray for those people who have wronged you. Pray for those people who've taken advantage of you and abused you. Pray for your enemies. Pray for, you know, you think about this election. Who on, on what side are you most frustrated? And if you're frustrated on both sides, then pray for both sides. Pray for everyone that you disagree with. Pray for them. Pray blessings from God on their life. And you will find so much mercy poured into your life and so much freedom poured into your spirit. This is a very cool beatitude. The last thing I want to say, and, you know, the band, y'all can um, make your way up. The last thing I want to say is this. In this story, in this parable that we read at the beginning, that Haley read, this man was forgiven a debt that he could never pay off himself. He owed so much that he said, hey, give me t more time so that I can work off this debt. And the man, if he would have tried to work off his debt, the interest on the debt would have accrued so much so that the more that he worked at it, the more he would have been, dis the more distance he would have put between him and paying it off. The most simplest way I can say this is, he had an infinite chasm before him. How many buckets of righteousness does it take to fill an infinite chasm? He was never going to get his life together enough to pay off this debt. And the king, when he asked for mercy, gave him mercy more than he could ever ask or imagine more than he could, more than he ever deserved. We have been shown mercy through Jesus Christ and his death on a level that you will never understand. And what I read about the Bible and these passages, if you've noticed, it keeps calling us to be merciful like our Father is merciful. I can't understand it. I don't, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. But God genuinely loves to give us what we don't deserve. It is his passion to give you what you don't deserve. He just wants you to ask for it, and he just wants you to give it back. He is a God who is all about giving us what we don't deserve. This is so cool. And he is so awesome. Let's pray. Lord God, I can't even wrap my mind around how much I don't deserve to be here, how much we don't deserve to be here, how much we don't deserve, even if we have bad parents, the parents that we have. Thank you for at least, at least having parents. Thank you at least for siblings. Thank you for friends. Thank you for community. Thank you for food, Lord God. We don't deserve, we don't deserve any of this. And we didn't get this for ourselves. This was your grace and it was your mercy. Oh, 
Lord, don't let one person walk out of here and not be broken over how much we all have more than we could ever ask or imagine. We are blessed immensely. I don't even like Donald Trump, and I don't like Hillary Clinton, but I thank you. I thank you that we don't have Hitler or Stalin or Mao Zedong or these tyrants who took people's lives. I don't deserve this, and we don't deserve this. Break our hearts, Lord God, for your grace and for your mercy, which is so immense, so immense. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. You are so good. Help everyone in here to see how good you are because it's unfathomable. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to do something.